are back. We are back. Welcome to Match Point number nine, a tennis bets podcast. I am one of three hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis. If this is your first time listening, chance starts how you found us. Welcome. Hello. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, welcome back. You cashed some tickets from us from uh, last pod. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, with me, as always, once again, uh, he's back. Uh, he's he's fully rested. I, I don't know if he's fully healed, but Derek is back. Yeah, I'm back. Um, props to Avery if he's listening. That kid's a freaking ringer. But um, yeah, I still got some viruses still in me, I guess. I don't really know. My throat's not really here, but I'm here. And I'm pretty stoked to actually finally talk about Indian Wells. The third man here that, that completes this uh, terrific trio, John Reed. At JR Tweets Tennis on Twitter, he does betting content for his own brand at Tidbits Tennis. He writes for the Action Network, betting expert, Hammer HQ, and he's doing tennis form recaps. John, welcome back. Good to be back. Having a good, in- well, not having a good Indian Wells, but the I, I didn't take the bloodbath. It looked like I was going to at the start of the day yesterday. So I'm going to count that as okay. Bounce back at night. Tunglin Woo. Tunglin Woo. How about him? He's him. Uh, yeah, you posted that on, on the timeline. Uh, I hopped in the chat and I was like, what do we think of Wu here? I feel like he's got a shot. I played uh, plus one and a half sets like you posted. And then I also played a little on the the money line plus 230 for the first set. Uh, full game or full match money line got there as well. So nice little uh, victory for us to cap off the day. Enjoyed that one. Uh, Bublik yeah, was back, one. guys. <laughs> well, no, he is, he is on, on quick courts. Bublik is so much fun to fade on. Slow courts and Wu is one of those guys, man. Like he's tricky. He's got an underrated, doesn't have a big game, but he's got like underrated serve and he's, he's a baseline grinder. He's a grimy guy. And he's like, if you want to frustrate Bublik, put him on a slow mm-hmm. court and make him hit a ton of balls. And that was perfect uh, yeah. matchup to do that with. All right, guys. Well, we are a betting podcast, so we love to be as transparent as we can be. And uh, this time around, we usually do do what we call the quick recap, but we're changing that. We're going to keep evolving the show as we go on and and making it better. And I think a more fun way to look at this is what do we win? What do we learn? That's what we're going to call it. What do we win? What do we learn? Okay, what do we win? How about Ivashka? Moneyline, minus 107. Cash that. Take that conventional wisdom. Put one in nine in his last 10. How about that? Uh, Marcos Giron, minus two and Moneyline, minus 155. Cash that. I was a, uh, you know, and I have to say the last couple podcasts, <laughs> when we're all in agreement, there's actually cash, which has been pretty nice. Right. There you go. <laughs> um, Jason Kubler, podcast favorite, McCoobler. McCoobs. <laughs> Love it. He was our lead off dog bomb, cashing at plus 168 for us. Awesome. Straight set. Fucking no sweat win. I loved it. Les Tien was another dog bomb that pushed for some, uh, not for for all, though, uh, with the retirement. John took an L on that one. Um, yeah. So we'll use that our, our, as our, our pivot to what do we learn, aka the losses. Uh, you know, we don't want to just lose here. We want to learn something. Uh, we had Zapata Morales losing two tight sets, uh, had a break twice in the second set to send it to the decider, played a competitive tie break until he didn't, goes down to Ugo Umber, John, I'm sure you have some uh, some lovely words for that one. Yeah, I mean, you serve for the set, another choke. It's okay. It doesn't have the biggest serve, but, you know, I know he doesn't have the biggest serve or power, but it's not like Ugo Umber is some elite returner by any means either. So, eh. Also, 
I'm like instantly the first thing I do is all right, who am I fading Ugo with next? And guess who he freaking plays? <laughs> Dennis Shapovalov. I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't even fade him. Yeah, I think uh, my big takeaway uh, from that was uh, just you know the the mental side of this sport is uh, <laughs> it's such a, a tough thing to get over. Um, even if you have a, a good X and O's read, uh, we gotta 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 get there, uh, which uh, the mm-hmm. spotted did not choke that away mentally. I feel um, Jera loses to Anta as a favorite, bit of a surprise considering the injury concern for Anta. I did mention. Jera was a slow starter and Ata solid in the first set. So I think we did a pretty good job covering that match overall, even in the loss. Well, the other thing too is you talk about the mental game. You need that to be there. The other thing too is you can you can see a, a path to victory for an underdog or, or in this case, how a favorite matches up well. They actually have to go out and like execute a, a, a game plan. Even if it's not the one you envision, they have to have some sort of game plan. I thought Jera actually played damn well. Um, in that first set, it was just, I've never seen Ote have the kind of defending and counterpunching abilities like that ever in that movement. And the second set, it was actually Laszlo, whose back tightened up. He had an MTO at one changeover, and then he had the very next changeover. The physio came back out. Uh, I think it was three or one, no, two, one. He got the MTO, then five, four. I think he had the the additional treatment. But you could see Ote start to slow down uh, in that second set. There was no way he was going to keep up the first set pace. But I thought Jared actually had the game plan right. Move him side to side. Use your inside out forehand as much as possible uh, and pull him into the outer thirds. It's just, I've you know, Ota played the best match I've seen ever from him defensively. Or set, I should say, defensively. Uh, Monfils was a big loss for me. Uh, a win for John, who had to play Thompson on principle. And principle won out. Uh, Thompson goes 8 for 10, first serve points. 8 of 9, second serve points to breadstick Monfils in the second set. Bad pick for me. A good pick. Uh, for conventional wisdom on that one. So, I mean, we had, again, we had another one we kind of had both sides on. John was uh, pretty <laughs> pretty adamant about play, playing Thompson on principle, and uh, that was the, the the play. I only played it personally, though, so, like, I didn't even, it wasn't posted or anything. That's the, that's the stupid part for me. God, I just didn't trust Jordan enough. I did put money on him, again, out of principle personally, but, um, yeah, that won't, that won't show up my record. I don't get credit for that on my record, unfortunately. Well, we are back pretty quickly, so that's our only uh, matches that have been played so far. We do have some left uh, from the last episode. If you want to hop back in, uh, we have uh, the team Minorino at thirty-four nineteen, Barrer Sock at thirty-six oh five, Martinez Husler forty-five thirty-seven, Murray Etchberry forty-eight twenty-five, Fonini Shelton at fifty-one oh six in the last podcast. So a lot of picks for today. We have more coming up for today as well. One thing I do need to take a, a loss on is uh, I, I, <laughs> I picked Paws outright for this uh, this tournament, uh, and I completely missed his shoulder injury, and now he's coming out and basically said that he's not going to win and he's going to get beat at some point. <laughs> he pulled out of Acapulco with, sh- with a shoulder injury. I should have should have had that on the last podcast, so that's uh, sorry, sorry about that to the audience. Uh, that's a big loss for me on that one. Uh, Steph, just being like, yeah, I'm just here. I'm going to lose at some point. <laughs> it would have been nice if Monfi said that, too. <laughs> it's a good point. I w- Well, not, not to backtrack, but I would say, like, first off, Thompson played great in that match, okay? Especially the second set. But then also, like, 
that match being at 6 p.m. when everyone had left and it being like super cold and no energy, like put that match on at 11 a.m. and see what happens with Monfils. Uh, gets the crowd going, gets a little energy. He's not thinking about this match all day. Could have been last year. He played like on an outside court in the second round, and like that place was just jumping. Like you couldn't even get to the court because it only fit about like 300 people. And then yesterday they put him on stadium one and this is like what every 10 seats was filled. (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, crickets in there for sure. Uh, It was a bad, it was a bad pick by me, but uh, still I lament anyway, uh, back to city pass, John, I know uh, we were talking about this right before we hit record. Uh, You had some pretty funny thoughts. I mean, yeah, I appreciate We got to appreciate his betters. When a player comes straight out and says, like, yeah, I'm hurt. I'm going to play anyway. I can't win. I don't feel like I'm going to go deep. Well, like, okay, well, then why are you playing? Well, I made a promise yeah. to myself. What do you mean? <laughs> like, dude, if you know you can't win, like, you you explicitly state, I, I know I'm probably not going to go deep. Why would you bother playing if you're still hurt? Like, you're only going to aggravate it. You're What are you gaining out of it? A bit of cash? Bro, you're... You're not a like you're you're well you're you're set. You're a Murata Group kid. You've won a bunch of tournaments. You've made it deep in slams. You've got spots. Like you're set. Cash isn't a thing. Okay, then what? Ranking points? Like this isn't your best tournament. You haven't made the semis here before. You know you're not going to go past a certain point this year. So you're not getting that many ranking points. It's it's a top heavy event. You only get 180 to make the quarters. A thousand to win, right? Uh, so if you're if you know you're going to go fourth round anyway, what does this do for you? I don't understand it, but I do appreciate um, the fact that. You know, players players are explicitly saying it now. We'd we'd appreciate that in the betting markets. Uh, and number two, just do it a little bit earlier. I do think the fact that this tournament is in California has something to do with it. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think I think he's a, a fan of California. Yeah, uh, and he just got a paid vacation. <laughs> so, <laughs> so ah, and he can beat Jordan Thompson with his you know blindfolded. So there's on a slow court that is. So there's that too. Like maybe he knows he's got at least three or four more days if. Uh, uh, no matter what, unless yeah, it really I mean, sucks. But I mean, it's just being in California too. There's like a lot of media sort of things surrounding it too, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, for sure, there's and a lot of media obligations that he probably just had to fulfill. Yeah, another interesting nugget that has come out of the the press conferences uh, leading up to this event: Medvedev credited a string change for his success on slower conditions ahead of Rotterdam. Uh, also. I think over in Dubai, he talked at length about his pre-Rotterdam mental state and how it was a turning point. So he mentioned that mental uh, state before. You know, it's easy to say now that that was a turning point as he just rattled off a bunch of <laughs> wins. Um, but it just goes to show, you know, where, where, where these guys' heads are at really does affect uh, their outlook. So and and good on Med for being a little, um, you know, transparent to reuse that word. Also, the wins at night. Watch out. I wanted to say that. There's another interesting nugget. What in, in terms if we're doing a what do we learn? Uh, it was pretty windy at night. In ter- also, we, we talked about on the last podcast about it being a different court at night. Seems like the winds might pick up a little more at night here. So take that into account. All right, guys. Well, was Sitsipas out, or at least pulling himself out of the outright talk here? I thought it'd be good to circle back to an outright slash quarters talk. Uh, still early on, only day two. Uh, here as we record Alcaraz Carlitos Alcaraz has come out saying he's fine uh, he had a little uh, rally sesh yesterday 
on the practice courts, uh, got a lot of people involved, and he's still sitting at plus 650 on DraftKings. These are DraftKings prices. So, uh, at 700 on Bovada right now. There you go. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we just talked about Sitsi Boss being transparent. Now, Alcaraz has said he's fine. So, if he's fine, that seven is looking pretty, pretty good. No kidding. Um, like another one they have, um, Bet365 has, by the way, is to reach the final. Alcaraz, look, I don't like the second quarter a whole lot. Like, Sinner has the same questions we always have about him. Fritz just hasn't looked. I guess he plays better in California, but and he's the defending champ. Runa and his struggles with physicality in Acapulco. I hate the second quarter. I love the first quarter with Paul Alcaraz, Ojeda Yassim. If Alcaraz is fit and like he's got the slower courts, I'd pref- there's a to reach the final at like plus 335-ish over at Bet365. I like that more than his plus 185. Uh, to win his quarter because that's just one more match uh, to get you there. And I think that essentially would be if you divide the odds, the 4.33 divided by 2.87 means he'd have to be, that makes him about minus 200 in that semifinal match, right? That's essentially, if if you take the quarter and he wins it, and then you roll over those winnings onto his money line in the semis, or do you think you're going to get a minus 200? I think it would be, it's going to be shorter than that, right? So I think you're, there's a to reach the final uh, market at Bet365. I actually like there if he, if, you know, we get that vote of confidence from him and his health. I prefer to go that way than take his plus 185, plus 187 um, uh, quarter price. Pardon me. For sure. Love that. Love that as well. Uh, something we didn't talk about last time, which is surprising because uh, I am a bit of a homer for the young Italian Yannick Center. He's at nine to one uh, to win this thing. What are we thinking about center here obviously i think these courts should suit him his you know ability to play all these matches and stay healthy obviously a big concern he had to bow out of miami last year that's how franz sarundalo got as deep as he did any center thoughts here dude center's like a guy that i don't know i keep forgetting about and now looking at his quarter he's plus 250 to win it and he's also got fritz in it and Holgaruna. I don't know. I'd rather take Holger Runa at plus 500. Yeah. So he's, he, he, he won Montpellier. Great. He looked pretty good at the Australian open, pushed Steph to five, but his losses have been to Medvedev and Rotterdam, where he just broke down physically after taking the first set, ran out of gas withdraws from Marseille, tweaked something in Rotterdam. The one critique of him was the physicality, right? Like he's got way too scrawny of a frame for the size he is. And, you know, he's getting, he's got to fill out a little bit and it keeps being, it's been that concern for a year and a half, two years now, and it's still the same concern. And the most recent example we have of him playing, he went down because of that exact concern. So it's like, it's been here for ages. It's still there. And it's bare, it's borne out in his results this year, not just this year, but his most recent results that we've seen. I get that he's taking time off and he should be, you know, back the gas tank back up to 100%. But yeah, I'm not trusting him to win six matches here. That's for sure. Yeah, he's terrible against uh, top 10 players and he's got two top 10 players in his quarter alone. So I don't know. He's going to have to face one of them probably. Absolutely. Uh, Tommy Paul down from 65 to 40 to one. I'd like to think because of our pod. Probably not, but uh, that was <laughs> a pretty, <laughs> yeah. pro- probably, uh, you know, but pretty heavy movement uh, for Paul from last time out. He's still eight to one for the quarter, though. So I think Paul has been a pretty hot pick out there. Hubie, 
Uh, her cash is 40 to one to win this thing. Nine to one quarter price. Now he has won a thousand before in Miami. So he's been a champion, the sunshine swing here. Um, if Alcaraz does get hurt, I think that helps his chances a lot. Any value on, uh, Mr. Hercash here at nine to one for his quarter. I remember taking Hercash to win his quarter a couple of years ago. The guy freaking crashed and burned against, uh, Dimitrov after up a set and I was like he was up one set and I was like I only need one more set to actually cash this futures bet now nah, he lost two straight to Dimitrov that was super fun so yeah I got some PTSD from that so no thank you no I don't I don't bet her catch out rights I should because he does every once in a while not every once in a while but when he does do well he, tend, he tends to go on deep runs so he, you know he's I really should be betting him more in the outright market but I just I, I'm not a huge fan of his game I don't know what it is Last one I want to talk about here is uh, Yuri Laheshka, 14 to 1 for his quarter. And digging a little deeper here, you know, the big guns in his quarter, uh, his side of the bracket, he's beaten Rublev, who's going to play again here coming up. He's beaten Nori at the AO. And Sitsipas has basically pulled himself from the field. Um, 14 to 1, not terrible. I mean, you might look at that from a rollover uh, money line play. Uh, perspective might be a little more cash advantage doing that uh but having that in pocket i don't think is a a terrible look if he can get out this win against rublev that's already a big hurdle out of the way um he's obviously improved on serve a little bit a little more uh, rally tolerant uh just been a, a you know a bright player for 23 here yeah and you know i think we saw him get those kind of uh growing pains out of the way against Rinderneck. I think it is like Naskova had her troubles in the first, in her first match. Uh, it's why, you know, I, I like Jack Draper to have struggles with Leandro Rieti here because Rieti hasn't played much here either, but at least he has qualifying. Uh, I don't think Yuri Lahechka prior to this year had played Indian Wells, no, right? Yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where, and you saw that play out, like these courts are, abnormally slow and then you've got the, the thinner air so the ball travels quick but then you know if the ball's coming at you quickly but then it hits the court it slows down like that is not something you find anywhere else then you've got the potential win to play I'm t- like players playing their first matches at, at Indian Wells are like big concerns for me and we saw that like Rinder next been in terrible form this year and he had Lahetch on the ropes in both sets at one at one point or at least um the first set and then Lahetchka came back, got it out. And then the second set was super close as well. So now that he's got that match under his belt, I think, you know, with another practice, that first match, perhaps, you know, this is kind of, he can get going now against Rublev. But it's just a little nerve wracking for me with guys that have not played this venue before, especially to take them in a in a decently loaded quarter um, at a tough second round match from an outright perspective. That's a good yeah. point. I mean, he's plus 160 just to win his next match. So, um just interesting though that he's you know facing guys he's beaten one guy top seed has pulled himself out thought the number was interesting all right guys well let's move into uh our bets here uh we still have some r- more round one bets uh to lay out here and some round two bets let's kick it off with uh a match that's going to be played in just a few hours i'm going to get this pot out not much of a deep dive edit uh so sorry for more breaths and ums guys on this one but uh uh, JJ Wolf, Marton Fuchovic are playing in Indian Wells today. John, I saw you posted a play earlier on this, and I think I'm in agreement. Yeah. So look, Fuchovic hasn't been 
potentially at his best in his last few matches. But, you know, we had the withdrawal against Sinner, and then he loses to Mahach, but took the first set, loses to Bautista Agut in three relatively close sets. Bautista Agut, not the same player he was, but still pretty good, pretty talented, also a grinder. Mahach, good youngster in those quicker conditions where he can keep things slower and does have the bigger game, understandable. Now, let's take a look at J.J. Wolf. This is more about J.J. Wolf. Do you remember we talked a couple weeks ago about, like, maybe he's better on slow courts than we give him credit for, or at least I came up with that? Turns out, doing some digging, I don't really think he is. No. I think Mm -hmm. his nine wins last year at Indian Wells, Acapulco, Miami, the three slow court events we see in this part of the calendar, six were in qualies. And look who he beat. Dimitri Popko, Sam Query, who I think is now retired. Daniel Altmaier, Hugo Gaston, who has been terrible since then, really. Daniel Galan as a clay quarter. Emilio Gomez is, is you know, prefers quicker courts and really thrives on, like, weaker American challenger indoor fields. Kevin Anderson, retired, I believe. And Andrea Seppi, retired. And then Lorenzo Senego, who we know likes clay, likes quicker hard courts, not so much slower hard courts. Hell, we just faded him with Kubler. Hello. And we won that bet. And that one, he was down 6-3 and into a second set tiebreak. He was a tiebreak away from losing that match. Like, he doesn't have a single good win on a slow hard court. The second point is, let's fast forward back to 2023 now, after that rewind to 2022. He's played three matches on slow courts this year. Ilya Ivashka, who was in terrible form. We just, again, talked about his, like, nine-match skit or whatever. So not an impressive win there. Loses to Manorino in straights, a grinding baseliner in slow conditions. Loses to Taro Daniel as a big favorite in straights. Again, a grinding baseliner in straight, like and he, where he was a favorite, again, in straight sets. Marton Fukshevich is a physical player, grinds the baseline, makes you play a ton of balls and elicits errors. He fits the profile well. I'm not saying he should be the favorite here. I could make a case he actually should be, and this should be a bigger bet. But there are form concerns and, and, and phys- like, potential still lingering injury concerns with Fukshevich. So it's just a one unit bet for me, but take a look at the player profile who beats JJ Wolf this year on slow courts. Fukshevich actually, actually like fits that profile decently well. And Wolf, despite having 10 wins in these spring slow, hard court events in the last two years, none of them are impressive. Maybe Lorenzo Senego, maybe you'd have to convince me on that one, but none of the other nine are any good. Like a third of the other nine are retired now. Like, I just don't see the wins there for J.J. Wolf to justify him being such a big favorite. So I'm glad to take uh, Fuchsipix here. Yeah, I'm in agreement that the price is pretty right here for Fuchs. I mean, I'm a Fuchsipix guy. I think that he's uh, underrated. I think he's been, uh, you know, a little hobbled uh, with health concerns here. Uh, obviously, I think Wolf can win this match. I like Wolf as well. I, I want Wolf to, to, to do well. Um, but he looked awful against Terra Daniel. Um, to turn around here and expect him to just cruise as a, a, a favorite against uh, you know a veteran tour player that that has a, a top end, I I don't know, man. I just I, I think it's a, a tricky spot for him. Um, and I feel like I like Wolf as a dog more than I like him as a favorite too. That's another angle. Yeah, he is a, a very close to a dog or pass guy, right? Like he's. He's really frustrating to back, especially laying games with as a favorite. We saw that with Taro. Absolutely. Uh, all right. I have a, a pick for another match played later today, and that's Rinki Hajikata, plus four and a half on the games line, plus one and a half sets at minus 115 against Michael Emer. Uh, Emer here is uh, the much better tour pro, up to a career high number 57. 
Uh, but he's making his debut here at Indian Wells. Rinky has some quality matches under his legs. And while the Australian's main tour record isn't that great at one and three, he's got a challenger title on hard this year. He was a slam doubles champ. Should be playing with some confidence, and, uh, and his style should match Emer's. They'll both make each other play a lot of balls. Emer can go through stretches of inconsistency. Uh, in this big spots, in these big spots, we've seen Hajikanta take a set off Nadal at the USO and cover as a seven-game dog to Medvedev and Los Cabos. I don't think uh, Emer is uh, quite the caliber of player as either of those guys. Uh, so I think he's pretty live here uh, to cover this pretty generous game spread line and and get a set uh the price is, is right for me here on this one yeah i think pardon me again the um the the write-up was spot on there in the in the rundown that's what i pretty much had as my handicap i think the other thing too is when you get two guys who don't really hit a ton of big balls um you're, you just can't really have one as like a 70-30 favorite. So now I think it's up to 75-25, or at least, you know, with the hold, of course, it'll, it's like the, the numbers go over 100%, and that's where the book makes their money. But uh, Hijikata is down to like 25% implied, and I, to me, that's a little that's a little disrespectful. I think, yes, Emir should be a favorite. He's got more tour-level experience. He's got more pedigree. But he doesn't play a lot of slow-court tennis, not just here at Indian Wells. In general, outdoors, he does not have – he had the Winston-Salem run, which are like medium courts. Went to a final, was not good there last year. We don't have a ton. He needs kind of quicker courts to have his game play up. His forehand can spew errors at any given moment. Um, I'm not huge on Emer here. And I think that, again, Rinky, if you're going to play 40, 30 ball rallies, obviously that's an exaggeration, but if you're going to play these longer rallies and it's going to come down to who creates an angle or who makes an error, that to me makes this much closer to 60-40 than it does 75-25. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think I have a 15% edge by any means or 10% edge on the on the, on the number. Uh, but I do think that like, I, that was obviously an exaggeration for effect, but I think it was, I think there's certainly enough room here to make a play on Rinky Hijikata, uh, whether he wins or loses. Don't really care how to troll. Oh, it's not good enough. You need to know more. Emer thrives in these conditions. Really? Where? Where? I had a troll. Th- these are perfect for Emer. And I, it's funny part is I had my handicaps for my patrons earlier in the day. And I went over this, and I'm like, this is typical because the market is going to say, one, Emer's played more at tour level, two, he's higher ranked, and three, he grinds, and he's going to get to a ton of balls, and because of that, he's going to love these conditions. Except he never has because he doesn't have any weapons to get through them. And he, and, and he also gets frustrated, and his body language is worse. So I'm not saying he should be a dog. I'm not saying Hammer Hitchcock a guaranteed winner. What I'm saying is, probability-wise, the market is off. Yeah, and that's really my angle on the handicap uh, as well. I mean, at four and a half, it's not even three and a half; it's four and a half. So you're getting, you know, an extra a hook there, and the just to win a set. I mean, an even almost even money or at pick price. That's, I mean, you're not even paying like a lot of these. A lot of times with with games like this, they'll still have the the plus one and a half at like minus one thirty, minus one forty. You know, they'll they'll still have that plus one and a half sets up there, and they don't on this one. So, um, Derek, do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm just looking at the math for this. I mean, four and a half games. Wouldn't you rather take that than taking a set? I mean, the fear would be he gets out the first set and then all of a sudden there's a 6-1 set on these courts. I mean, yeah. I think that, you know, mm-hmm. with the high break chance, um, I just like I I, feel that's like, I don't know, kind of improbable. I mean, the only times that happened yesterday was in that Yibbing Wu match, right? 
I don't know what the hell he was doing in the first set. And then I don't know what the hell Munar was doing in that second set. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like with these slow courts, it's it's hard for like a breadstick to happen. I just think but, I think that I almost always rather have the sets. Um, yeah. It's so rare that you're going to get like seven five seven five six four six four. Um, you know, and, and again, even if you're if you're getting only four and a half games, the real bitch of that is a six four six three can be two single breaks or a six three six four. Yeah, that's two single breaks. Yeah, and no. you still don't cover that massive game spread. I mean, if you're going to cover it more times than not, you're going to get that set and you're just getting a way better number on the set. Plus you avoid the three set covers for the favorites. It's hmm. this is more prominent on the women's side of things for sure. And the, the women's side, you should really be taking sets over games, but even on the men's side, you know, there's, there's certain, um, I think, especially in a match of two kind of not pushers, but two uh, weaponless players per se. Yeah. Uh, I'd like the sets over games. Uh, any round one bets before we move over to round two. All right, well, that's uh, our round one. I think we have, a, I mean, between the last episode and, and those couple plays, we, we have a pretty healthy uh, amount of handicaps for uh, round one. So uh, good on us. All right, good good job, Bob. Um <laughs> Let's move it over to round two here. Um, kicking it off with our guy, McCubler. Jason Kubler, plus three and a half versus Dimitrov and the over two and a half sets at plus 155. Now Dimitrov does have a solid 12 and nine record here. He made the quarters here last year where he lost to Rublev in the semis in 2021. So he's pretty live on these courts, but Kubler just no sweat cash as a dog against a player can be a bit tricky to put away. I'll, I'll take a shot on Dimitrov, not closing this out in two here uh, and, and maybe having a slow start, get to a tie break. Kubler gets a tie break. Plus 155 on over two and a half sets, I think is is pretty nice uh, price. Yeah, for me, I'm probably going to stay away from this, even though McCubler has become like the biggest pod favorite. Um, we're loving this guy. I'm wondering if we're loving him too much, but it, the only reason why I kind of just don't like this is just because Dimitrov's in this match, and I never know what freaking Dimitrov's ever going to show up. And that pains me. And so I'm just steering clear of this only because of Dimitrov. Still love McCubler, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I agree with Derek here. I think that uh, Dimitrov has just been really good this year. He's lost to um, Djokovic, Pass, And I mean, he was probably the second toughest match for Djokovic at that Australian Open. Not probably. Sure. He was the second toughest match. Uh, Pass, Djokovic, Medvedev. And then Bublik in a third set tiebreak on a fast court in a tournament where it was a Bublik week, right? In that quarterfinal, um, third set tiebreak, he held his own too. So uh, he had, I think, won as many games in the end as as Bublik did. I think they each won 17 games or something. It was one of those kinds of odd matches. So, I mean, he's been really strong this year, beating the guys he should. You know, there's been some three setters along the way, like Demon Hour, Um Maybe the plus games here, the plus three and a half, I know you marked down as well. That's interesting because Dimitrov does struggle to blow people out. But I think he also adjusts to slower courts and has played on them more successfully than Kubler does too. And that was the angle last time was, I don't. I think Sinego is getting too much credit for being able to adjust to slower courts than Kubler. I don't think that's the case with Dimitrov. I think he is the better player on slower courts than Kubler. So I'll probably pass here or might even look Dimitrov to be honest. All right, fair enough. Well, we have both sides there. I like it. You get to you get to hear both sides. We we need that more on the pod, uh, so people can hear all the angles. Uh, all right. Well, 
We're never wrong. That those. way we're never wrong. I, it's not about <laughs> never being wrong. I, I just feel like it's a more robust <laughs> show. Um, a, a more fulfilling show. Anyway, um, my next one, and this should have been, should have been my leadoff one because I, I think this is a great bet. Tarot Daniel plus three and a half, plus one and a half sets, minus 115 versus Berrettini. I mean, what are we doing here? You're giving me a solid game spread and a pick price for a set for one of the hottest players in the last two weeks on these slow conditions between Indian Wells and Acapulco against Berrettini, who has done absolutely nothing of note since early January. Daniel didn't just win yesterday against RCB. He crushed him 6-1-7-5. I mean... Beat me, Bertini. Beat me. Show me. I, if I lose, then fine. But this is just way too generous uh, from the bookmakers here. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I like this bet. Um, Bertini obviously hurt. Um, he lost what he pulled out of that Runa match at Acapulco. And I don't believe he was hurt in that one. You don't think so? You just, I just, think he just I, got his. Yeah, I was getting whooped and he quit ass handed to and then he just gave up he didn't even okay. take an mto it's like he's there was not no here. mto in that match yeah but there was there was that rain delay though so i don't know yeah. i feel like he saw a doctor in the meantime but still he didn't come out with any rap or anything on his calf or anything that he was claiming was wrong or something or something with his leg um but still like Tarot Daniel, he's like shown that he's just a better player this year. Like we've talked about in previous episodes, like that guy hits bigger now. That guy still has the same court coverage, which is freaking big. And and obviously Berrettini's got that backhand that he can is exploitable. So I mean, three and a half games that we're getting with Daniel, I'm digging it. Like Berrettini's stock's still overinflated, and it's like our time to take advantage of that. Yeah, I think there's still longer-term injury concerns more than just last week involved here. And until I see Berrettini start to look remotely close to his best, I'm I'm good with a fade here, especially with, again, I don't like to say auto-fade. You want someone competent on the surface that likes the conditions and that, you know, ideally has some form. And, and you know, as Dave mentioned, he, you have the, a little bit of form here. You have the, the court, his preference, which is a hard court, and you have slower courts, which he has uh, been able to grind on in the past. So I definitely think that that's worth it. All right, well, I'll keep it moving with my picks here. I got Davidovich Fokina money line at minus 120 versus Wu Yabing. Uh, Fokina has a pretty shoddy 2-2 two and two record here at Indian Wells. But at this price against a guy still making his way on tour, his big win splash was an indoor heart event. Uh, he also lost to Mutet at the AO. Uh, if we're playing the, the conditions are good, I would think those are pretty good conditions for Wu. Uh, got lucky to escape against Munar. Uh, going to be a similarly going to be similarly tough to get over the finish line here. Uh, ADF gave Med one of the better battles in his run here at Rotterdam in those slower conditions uh, at the almost pick'em price. I'll take a shot on the Spaniard here. Yeah, it's it's like this is like a Ben Shelton situation, right? Make go on a bunch of of runs and have a lot of results, and you got talent. There's no doubting that. Um, but you've done all that on, on quick hard courts and we haven't seen it just yet on, on slower hard courts. And he had trouble yesterday maintaining leads. He had trouble, um, with the persistence of, of Munar and he did a third set tie break there. Now you got someone who has that same kind of speed quickness, uh, but someone who's got more shot making a little more offense to their game and someone who does do well, uh, across all surfaces, but particularly, uh, in slower conditions in ADF. So 
Yeah, I do think this is a spot where this is a quick hard court. These prices probably flipped, and I'm probably okay with it. Get it on a slow hard court. I don't know if the market's adjusted enough. Like Wu is is much like an Alicia Parks on the women's side or a Ben Shelton on the men's side. It there is not a night and day difference, but there is a significant difference between him on a slow court, him on a on a, on a faster court. So I, I do think that that you need to to adjust more than the market uh, has in this spot. And I agree with you. I think that there's uh, some value here. Yeah, I feel like Wu is played up to what probably Davidovich Fokina's like um highest marks at this point like with his recent play so with Fokina's experience and everything like that I'd bleed in Fokina here so if you're getting him at minus 120 money line yeah that's not a bad play at all all right my last one I have uh marked down here before I kick it to you guys uh, for some plays is uh Alejandro Tobilo money line plus 149 versus Maxime Cressy uh Tobilo is a very Streaky player, as we saw with his splash in the Golden Swing last year, he's got three. He's got three wins already here, uh, including qualies and a main draw win. Cressy obviously has the power to hit through these slower courts, uh, but extremely great spot to get exposed as someone who can't hang in a rally on these slower courts. Uh, now Cressy does have a, a clay win against Tabilo, which is a bit surprising. Back on the challenger level, back on the challenger level in 2021, uh, and has been informed. Where was that? Um, Prague, I want to say. Okay, so not at altitude. That is interesting. Never mind. Okay, sorry. Uh, um, let me double check that. I have actually have that up. Yeah, Prague. Um, so he is the deserved favorite. Uh, but again, this is just I like the price. I mean, uh, I'll ride the hot streak with Tabilo at plus one near plus one fifty uh, to take down uh, Mister Cressy. Yeah, I like the over here, um, because. I do think that Tabilo should find consistent holds. He's got a decent kick to his serve. He's got decent power on his first. He's got decent power on his forehand. And he can just, you know, keep hitting to that Cressy backhand with his highest margin shot across court forehand um, as a lefty. I think he holds enough. Cressy obviously not going to have too many, maybe has more issues than normal in that department, but Tabilo is not the greatest returner. And these guys are both volatile. Right, Cressy, they both can find holds because they're, you know, one, Cressy's not the greatest returner. Tabilo has that little matchup edge as a lefty and a decent and decent pop himself. Cressy, you know, don't like to talk about his ability to hold serve. Um, and I think Tabilo can be a little volatile. I don't know if it's mental or what it is, but he he's hot and cold within matches. That's perfect for an over, right? You're hot for a set, you take it, you you're cold for a set. Cressy finds a random break and then just holds his way out. I like the over two and a half sets. I like the over games here. Um, that's the angle I would take. And you know. Because, you know, what, what correlates most with those two things, dog money line. If you think it's going to be a three-setter in a close match, you're obviously going to find more value in an underdog than you are laying juice with a favorite if you think it's a close one. Yeah, with Krusty, he hasn't been playing well this year at all. You, he's got to turn this around at some point, right? Like, that that's whole, my whole thing with this. He made a final. I mean, he... He played up on the the conditions that you know he always um, tends to thrive in. I, I I don't I wouldn't say he hasn't played. I wouldn't say he's played poorly this year. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know where to go with this one. It's just like I, I never know where or what Cressy's going to show up. So, yeah. I don't know if you see something with Tabilo. It seems like you do. Um, yeah, I'd roll with your confidence then. Yeah, he's an attacking. 
smells blood in the water type of player. So I, I think that's going to be uh, tough for Cressy at, at certain spots in the match. Uh, all right, guys. Well, let's open the, the floor here. Those are my plays. John, I'm sure you have some things on your card. It's funny because the matches I wanted to talk about, those were the main four. Um, the only other thing I'm looking at here is Bautista Agud against Rusuvori. Uh, I think Rusuvori played a really strong match in his first round where I watched that and I did the recap for uh, for the tennis form ticker and I thought he played Lestian really well. Even before Lestian's injury, I think he was the much, much, much better player. Of course, he's playing a different kind of beast here. Someone who can still extend rallies, probably a little more counter-punching than just pure defense. And he's probably not going to get six double faults in the first set from Bautista Agut and 17 unforced errors like he did from uh, Lestian. That said, I'm not big on Bautista Agut this year. Both these guys are supposed to like quicker conditions more, but I think we've seen Rusevori make a third or fourth round of Miami. I think these lower courts give him more time and his ground strokes can still like pierce through the court. They don't necessarily generate winners for him. But what they do do um, is like pull your pull his opponent off court and create a lot of short balls. And then he can put things away or, you know, they they fill their racket out and he creates a lot of forced errors. And I think he can still do that on these courts and he has more time. He's not as rushed. He came up on the challenger tour really winning on indoor courts and quick courts. And that's why I think the, the initial profile betting profile was that he liked quicker conditions. When he got to tour level and the games have more power involved, he hasn't won a ton on quick courts. I think it's because he's rushed, right? Balls are going back at him really fast as well. He's not just the one hammering the ball at his opponents. Now he has a bit more time in, in that respect here. So I kind of like Rusuvori. Like Bautista Agut just has not impressed me at all this year. The loss to Fields was routine, like three and four, but it never looked like Fields was in trouble, right? Uh, he pushed Hercotch. Okay, cool. That's fair enough. Um, you know, the Fuchsovics win is, we talked earlier, Fuchsovics hadn't, hasn't looked his best of late, loses to Chris O'Connell. I just don't know where the best wins are. Like Murray was dead tired for his match. He still managed to lose a set in Australia to him. He needed five sets against Brandon Holt. Where are your other wins? You beat Joao Souza, who's absolute trash now. Uh, you know, Robin Hassa, who is 55,000 years old, barely plays singles anymore, and you needed three sets to win that one. Um, you know, you came back from a set and breakdown against Rublev, who at that time was losing to everybody. Or outside of Melbourne, he, he's been terrible this year, or at least relative to what he'd expect from himself. Like, I'm really down on Bautista Agut. I don't mind Rusevori. Yeah, I think going back to our what do we learn segment, I think uh, we discounted the uh, power uh, at, you know mismatch in that uh, Rusevori Lestien match, uh, and and I think it's going to be a similar power mismatch uh, with this RBA Rusevori match, um, and and power uh, can go a long way here on these courts. Uh, RBA got pushed to the brink with Wolf last year, obviously uh, you know a bit of a power mismatch uh, there. So yeah, I I, I think you're onto something. Uh, you know, as, as a reformed Rusevori tout, it's tough for me to get fully on board. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was coming. I was waiting for it. <laughs> but but I, I think you're on to something for sure in this one. Derek, do you have anything? Um, yeah, I got a bet. Um, I don't know if you guys are going to like this because I know, Dave, you're a Lehachka fan and I, I know nobody's really big on Rublev, but I think Rublev minus two and a half against Lyachka is a pretty good bet. Cause like, I mean, you got Rublev who made it to the semis last year and he had to go through Dimitrov, Hercats, Tiafo, 
and comfort. We can just exclude comfort because everybody gets through that, dude. Uh, but he didn't drop a set all the way to, to the semis. And then you're, he's playing Lehechka, who's his first Indian Wells. He's been good this year, don't get me wrong, but I think this is an unfortunate draw for him. And for some reason, I think odds makers are just not really respecting Rublev. Like, they made him a dog against Zverev last week. Like, that was freaking weird. I think it's from over-respecting him for weeks. Yeah, yeah, is that what it was? And then... Yeah, he was laying, yeah. I mean, he was laying three and a half, four and a half, four against these guys, and he wasn't even sniffing covers. Mm-hmm. And then they made him a full dog against freaking Zverev, who finally like won some matches against very like yeah that was that was that was was a very nice spot to back rublev because again i mean as we've talked about you know and this is i mean we haven't really talked about zverev at this event um obviously very beatable but as we saw with thompson last night um the surf can still take you pretty far so if if he does still redline uh, zverev with, with those high 80 plus percentage first serve win points um I wouldn't necessarily discount him uh, from this tournament. Um, but going back to what you're saying, I mean, yeah, I would love to back Rublev in this spot. I, I, you know, I thought he should pull out the the win last time against this guy. Um, he's just burned me so many times that uh, I'm bitter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna back this guy. Um, I feel like odds makers don't respect him. Um, betters don't even respect this guy either. But two and a half games and. He's got a great history at Indian Wells. Yeah, no, I'm taking it, especially against a guy who's never even played Indian Wells. Yeah, it's tough for me to get involved with Lehechka here. Um, good job on that, by the way, Dave, staying composed and talking through that. I didn't realize I f- forgot my camera was still on and uh, went to celebrate that Arsenal ma- uh, goal as we yeah. own goal, really. But Arsenal just scored. So if you're wondering why the hell I was jumping around in the camera there, that's yeah. why. Um, but, I knew it was yeah. a different sport. I was like, it's got to <laughs> be soccer. Just started. We're four points in. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny. No, I, I, I think I'm with Derek, again with Derek here. I, it's really tough for me to believe in uh, in Yuri in his first Indian Wells and the you know conditions with Verubev here slowing things down. I, I think it's kind of we we know that he likes quicker conditions with his power, but you know as. Derek Benchik, he made the semis here, lost to the eventual champion, lost to Tommy Paul, who's a very decent slow court player, 5-7 in a third set a couple years ago. Uh, then it was third round as a lucky loser somehow because he replaced a seed in the, the event he played here prior. Yeah, it's only he hasn't been that great in his early years here, but no one is, as we've talked about, or rarely are, and he was younger at that time, 2017. Is, and 18 is when he was struggling now. He started to pick it up, and he's got time to set up his, his ground strokes so he can still hit through the conditions, right? And that's always a big thing, too. So, uh, yeah, I agree here. I think that uh, if I were to play it, I'd take Ruba. But honestly, I'm not huge on the men's side tomorrow. A lot of stuff on the women's side. So I like when that happens. When I, when I see one uh, kind of tour at a combined event where I'm like, oh, God, there's like seven things I like here, and I haven't even looked at the men's side yet. Then you realize on the men's side, there's only like three or four things. Like, oh, thank God. Like, then I could whittle a few down and it's it's a manageable card, right? But uh, yeah, not not huge on the men's slate, honestly, for, for tomorrow. The exciting thing for me is I will be there. So I'm going to watch Woo-hoo. these matches. I'm going to see if my, uh, my handicaps play out uh, in person, which is exciting. Um, if okay, you are going to be- go ahead. Uh, sorry, I was going to say just for fun, I-, I think John should throw in one WTA pick. 
Okay, yeah, I'll uh, well, I'll avoid one match that I'm going to write up, and I'll say go to bettingexpert.com slash tennis to see that. But I do think that, um, gosh, I, Donna Vekic is not, is, is pretty short, or not that short against Lesia Serenko. She's been losing to pretty much elite talent all year. I think she can transcend surfaces decently well. She's coming off a title, um, which I hit at 11 to 1. Thank you, Donna, for that one. It's kind of helped uh, boy my annoying start to Indian Wells. And she's only about minus 160 against Serenko. That, to me, seems pretty cheap. Uh, it, it got up to like minus 135 at one point, which or down to 130, which I really would have loved to have. But, you know, overnight or... You can't have every single opener. It was overnight. I was sleeping, so I don't mind that. But uh, yeah, that's the one I'll go with. Vekic over Serenko. Um, I do like that. I know Serenko's been breaking a ton. Here's a fun fact for you. And this is not like everyone's like, oh, bro, it's WTA. Everyone's like that. No. False. Ready for these splits? Lesia Serenko this year, during the 2023, which has been all hard courts, has broken her opponent 60% of the time. 60%. For reference, like Iga Shvialtek last year was in the 50 to 51 range. That was like one of the greatest returning seasons we've ever freaking seen. Now she plays tougher opponents. I get it. I get it. But 60%, she's holding at a 48% rate. I know that like a lot of people laugh at WTA like, oh, it's all breaks, man. But in this case with Sorenko, it's like true. It is almost it, everything is break oriented. Every match. She can't hold serve half the time, but she breaks 60% of the time. That's wacky to me that her hold break is 108 and it's a 48-60 split. That said, that was meant with a purpose. Vekic's serve is pretty damn strong, even in these conditions. If you're going to rely on breaking her consistently in order to beat her, you're going to be in trouble. So you're going to have to hold your... And her return game is not horrible, especially against Celestia Sarenko. She's going to tee off on some second serves. Bro, I'm just, I just don't think that you know you can be broken three times in a set and win it against Donna Vekic. You could do that against Zhu Lin in... in in slow conditions. You could do that against, uh, you know, garbage garbage tennis players in a tie 250, right? You can't do that against Donna Vekic at a Masters event. And that's her game style. That's her game plan, right? So that's where I'd go. I'd say Donna Vekic, uh, despite being off a long week, remember, she's got a bye. So she's got, she was in the region, Monterey to uh, Indian Wells is not some giant travel spot. And she's had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Thursday off. She will not play until tomorrow, uh, Friday. So, you know, four days rest and recuperation. You're in form. You've only lost to elite, uh, really, really good players this year in Sakari, Sabalenka, and I think there was one random loss in there. You got the serve. You're playing someone who is easily broken and who's not going to be able to break you as easily as they break everyone else. And you're only minus 160-ish, minus 165, somewhere in there. Yeah, give me uh, give me Donna Vekic. Sold. We are riding Vekic uh, with Mr. Reed here. All right, guys. Uh, well, let's round to the finish. If you have made it here and you like what you heard, give us a, a follow, a rating, a review. Uh, we're on multiple platforms. Follow John at Jared Tweets Tennis, at Tibbets Tennis. Follow Derek at Ferrer versus Nicole. Until next time, see you on the court or Indian Wells, where I will be. So see you there.